babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy, Joe Stapleton. He's my work wife. He's James Hardigan. Happy Clarinet Day, Joe. An instrument that I feel deserves its own day. Often underrated, often overlooked. They're very ugly, right? Isn't that like the one that looks like a like a long, But it makes such a beautiful bulb. sound. Is that the one for Peter and the Wolf? I believe I there like is clarinet in some of them. There must yes. be. Coming up on today's show, well... We did it. We talked about it. We teased it for weeks. One of the biggest names in poker. We got him. We went to the jungle, and we got him. Jungle man. Jungle man. Dan Jungleman Cates. The plan is to talk to him for 30 minutes. You never know what you're going to get with Dan, but that's the goal. Looking forward to it. You might hear an echo in my room today. It's because I'm staying in a gigantic house in San Diego. Maybe the Probably the second or third biggest house I've ever set foot in in my life. I am back at a live poker event. I am playing poker. I got a little bit of poker to talk from last night. Next week, I'll have way more poker to talk about. Maybe we can do some hands. Uh, but yes, back in Hamul Casino, playing poker with Run Good. Uh, this week's super fan is a fellow named Sam, and he has picked the subject of Yu-Gi-Oh!, which is a card game along the lines. It's like a poor man's Pokemon, <laughs> if I understand correctly. But he's chosen season one of a TV show yeah. that I have never seen before. I did not get to watch this TV show. So I'm just going to say now, congratulations, Sam. I would say bold prediction, but yeah, that sounds just about right. Uh, so yeah, the weird thing is, Joe, next week I'm going to be on the road. Uh, so I will not Ooh. be outside of, of my usual spot in the Pokestars arena. I have more official Pokestars business to take care of in Leeds. But this week, you're in glamorous San Diego. So this is a casino you've been to before, right? This is an event you've been to previously? Yes, this is, this is not an Indian reservation. Um, really right on the border between San Diego and Mexico. Like you can look into Mexico from, uh, from the inside of the casino. It's supposed to be a two and a half hour drive. I left yesterday after we had a little bit of business to attend to. We had a meeting yesterday and can we see what that meeting was about, by the way? We've already teased that the plan is to do some additional filming in the Bahamas. And yes, there are serious conversations about the return of the comedy sketches. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So we had a little meeting about that. More on that uh, another time. Um, and it's supposed to take two and a half hours to drive down here. It took four and a half oh, hours. Oh, that's so. Brutal. Yeah. So instead of, uh, you know, getting to the house, unpacking, preparing for the podcast, I had to go straight to the casino uh, because the opening night, which always sucks because it's the night before we have to do our podcast, uh, is like the celebrity bounty tournament. You know, it's uh, it, it's. Difficult to win. Boston Rob managed to win it last time he played in one of these. Um, I've decided, James, I've decided to allow Maria to once again to give her the privilege of taking a piece of my action. I love the way you phrase this. I love the way that you try and sell this, that this is somehow a great honor and not her bailing you out of a financial hole. No, this is is me giving her the privilege. No one else has this privilege. So she's earned it. She's earned a big piece this week. However... I didn't give her a piece of the bounty tournament because I don't think it's really fair. Um, it, it's not. Let, let me guess. It, let me guess. You cashed. Oh yeah, no, I cashed. <laughs> <laughs> so I was saying this after the charity event where I ran what I felt like was either above expectation or like about normal. That my losing streak was over. That my like just never hitting a hand is over. I'm proud to say yesterday during the event, I had aces twice. I had queens. I overplayed them all so much that I couldn't possibly get sucked out on. So I won with all of those hands. And uh, I managed to min cash. I was the absolute first person to go out after the money bubble burst. um, Mostly because, honestly, and you all can laugh at me if you want, I had to be up at 6.30 in the morning for this podcast. And going out in 27th, I got home at 1 o'clock in the morning. So there was like a really strong chance that if I final tabled this thing, I would have been like rushing back here to do the podcast on no sleep. So I was like, you know what? I gambled. I got it in from early position with pocket fours, knowing it probably wasn't going to get through. The good news was that because I was a bounty, you know, it's tough to play those tournaments. James, there's one bounty at every table. But the good news was that all of the big bounties went before me. 
So they're like the they knew by process of elimination I had of one of the lesser bounties, and so people weren't that keen on like busting me for no reason. They so respected your raises. Exactly. Yes, they respected my raises. I had to move up in stakes to where they respect my raises. So I did min cash. It was a two hundred dollar buy in. I cashed for two hundred and sixty two dollars. <laughs> a profit is a profit. And That's Maria right. Ho does not get thirty bucks of that. And and. Uh, what really is imp- impressive is that when I got there, they were like, oh, welcome back, Mr. Stapleton. You have $175 in slots credits. <laughs> and and when you when you have those, you um, you, don't, you don't get to just cash it out. Like, you have to play it. No, of course. And it's slots credit. It's not like money. It's money that you right. credit on the slots. But I did manage to cash out $120 of that $175 of slots credit. So I'm like, I'm up 180 bucks, James. I'm fucking stoked. Okay. Well, I, I have follow-up questions on a couple of things that came up on the live stream on Monday night. Before sure. that, though, let's talk in detail about Monday's live stream. Back to the Sunday Million. Um, I think it's fair to say it was a bit of a grind this week. Very slow. After an initial... It was on pace, right? The first hour, we lost more than half the field. Going to be at the final table in no time. And then it got really slow. It took forever to get to the final table. I think when I left, you were still eight-handed. And my understanding is it stayed eight-handed for a long time. But I need to know, Joe, what happened next? So what happened was it got kind of hilarious. I think you and Maria, when you guys were on without me, you were noticing that like people were playing pretty tight or like raised folding hands that you really shouldn't be getting away from. And yeah. do you remember I made a bold prediction that it was going to go off the rails, that someone was either going to get bored or someone was going to lose their mind. And all of this previous ICM consideration play and all of these tight moves would go out the window. That bold prediction ended up, it did end up coming true. And um, a couple of players just decided to start ham fisting pots in weird spots and making bluffs that made no sense. And um, I believe the player who ended up winning was ended up was like getting it in with 6 9 suited. Got it in with 6 9 suited a second time. It really looked like they were just completely fucking around. Uh, and it was working out for them. Ended up going to heads up with like a four to one chip lead. They lost it back. The other player ended up getting a four to one chip lead. Then came all the way back again until finally they closed it down in the original position. It should have been closed down in. It was I. I it was difficult because we went long. I mean, we went past midnight your time. Oh, I think it, it was like almost 12.30 your time. Jeez, they but must have been so shallow at that point. They were pretty shallow, but the fun part was that up until the heads up, which was a bit of a drag, it was hilarious. There was like no predicting anything that was going on. Like it was just, it was almost like, I almost asked like, is the hand replayer malfunctioning? <laughs> are we sure these are the cards that people have because this makes absolutely no sense. I thought it was fun. It was the only thing keeping me interesting was like, okay, like what sorts of goofball actions are going to be happening here? Wow. Um, in a way, I say this every week. I'm sorry I missed it. On the other hand, when you say it didn't finish till after midnight, I'm glad I was in bed at that time. My, um, my version's better. So, yeah, I'm going to pick up on a, uh, a couple of things, as I said, that happened on the stream. So you were talking about the fact that you went to a casino in Arizona and had some success at video poker. Yes. So I uh, drove to Arizona for my girlfriend's birthday, went to Talking Stick Casino. I uh, had never been there before. And um, we have a friend, uh, a poker dealer, who's an advantage slots player. She lives in the area, and she's like, oh, I'll come by the casino. We'll like go around and see if there's any good machines to play. So um, her very first, in the very first five minutes, she sat down next to me and saw a machine that was in a good position, that it was like a little too expensive for me to play on my own. Within the first few spins, she hit for like 1600 That's what they call a taxable. Anything above $1,200, you got to sit there. You got to wait for them to come hand pay you out. You got to fill out a tax form. It takes sometimes up to half an hour. Then we moved on to another machine and we lost. We Now we decide to pool resources and we cash out for like 440 bucks in that machine. And then we did something kind of dumb. And um, we got to the next machine and we're like, oh, shit, we didn't actually take the ticket from the last machine. When we got back there, it was gone. 
she was like, look, I'm here every day. I'm going to go talk to security. You guys go to the bar or whatever. I'm going to try to handle this. Security saw someone walk over, take our ticket, uh, and put it into another machine. And they said, there's really nothing we can do. Um, some In some places, they consider that stealing. Other places, they do not. I get it. We left our ticket. It's not like... It, I'm still mad at it's, the person for being a piece of shit. It's a shitty thing for someone to do. Yeah. I understand why it's tough for them to enforce. And equally, yeah, it's kind of like you've got to look after your own stuff in a casino. Yeah. So, like, I wasn't particularly mad. I was like, okay, we fucked up. But what happened was, while my friend was dealing with security... Um, my girlfriend was like pressing buttons. I love video poker. It's probably my favorite. And uh, we were playing this one called Ultimate X where the odds are like not even as good as regular video poker, but you get multipliers. If you make a hand, then the next hand is multiplied and I'm playing five hands at a time. Well, my girlfriend presses deal and she gets dealt four aces. That's a which good hand. In this, yeah, it's a good hand and it's a bonus hand, right? It doesn't pay the same as regular quads. It pays more. And in this particular version of the game, now we had triple multipliers on three of the hands and quadruple multipliers on two of the hands. And in this particular game, four aces with a bad kicker, a two, a three, or a four pays even more than four aces with a regular kicker. So she got dealt, it's 800 credits for the four aces. Uh, and if you get four aces with a bad kicker, I think it's two or 3,000 credits. So it's a considerable multiplier. Multiplier, she was dealt four aces with a nine. So we had five shots to hit the low kicker, and we missed on all of them except for one, and that was on a 4X multiplier. So that entire hand, we were, I mean, it was probably about $15 a hand we were spending, but that hand hit for 3800 Well, that is a very solid result. Yes, and so what was the best news about this was I got to give – a couple hundred dollars to my girlfriend and I got to give a couple hundred dollars to our friend who had lost the ticket. And I go, Hey, don't worry about it. Here you go. We're all good. We're all square. So we were expecting like some hand histories from the poker you've been playing in San Diego. <laughs> that was a very different type of hand history. And despite my knowledge of poker, I can't keep up with like multipliers and spins and and what you would if but, you could see it visually. It's hard yeah. to hear about it orally. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you one poker hand, that, that like uh, a situation where I typically don't win. I was all in against like two or three other players, and I think I actually had everyone covered at the time, but I had pocket sevens, and I faded every single thing, and the river was always coming seven, and we had, as always, there were people there singing about chap pots, yelling at me about always coming seven, so I just, I wish you could come to one of these events sometime, because the people really do uh, like our work and have, have a lot of fun when they can do the memes live with us. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate that a four and a half hour drive was a bit of a slog to you, but it beats a 12 hour flight and probably realistically 17 hours of travel at great expense. So it's not on the cards in the near future, but Yet. at some point, at some point I'd love to. Uh, just very quickly, Joe, you also mentioned that you rewatched Vegas Vacation. Oh my God! Yeah, so we had people over on Saturday or Sunday, whatever, whatever. I think we went on Sunday, and um, we wanted to have something on that we could like half pay attention to. I was like, I don't want to watch stuff and have people talk over a movie that I really want to see. Let's put on Vegas Vacation, and this movie gets a sixteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Which, look, I'm not saying it's a good movie, but it is not that it's bad. It's not sixteen percent. It it's a it it's, is it's underrated. a solid five. Five out of ten. It's a solid fifty percent. Yeah, I think somewhere in the fifties, even sixty percent. It's got so many great lines. If I guess maybe part of it is that you have to have had been to Vegas to really understand how funny it is and how people lose their minds there. Mr. Papa like, Giorgio is twenty five percent alone. Yes, exactly. Like it just and like I guess just how how champing at the bit. Um, Clark is in this movie and just obsessed with gambling and only wants to go down and play the tables like I can just relate to that so much either not from me specifically but that's how my dad is in Vegas yeah my dad yeah. just wants the freeway new tickets and totally gets totally gets worked up by all this stuff I don't know I just think it's such a funny movie so many great lines and, and one of the funniest things about it is there's that bit where he's like really losing his ass in the casino and he starts playing terrible games like what number am I thinking of and then he plays Casino War, which is meant to be a joke, and now it's a real game you can play in Las Vegas, which is the biggest joke of all. 
Um, just a quick shout out to a few people who've posted on Discord in the last week. And again, we'll remind you there are dedicated Poker in the Ears channels on the PokerStars Discord server. We always put the link in the podcast description. Uh, the first thing to say, Joe, is there was a lot of love for last week's Superfan General Knowledge Quiz. Something a bit different, but people really liked it. Yeah, I, I, I think that, I mean, obviously it's something we don't want to do all the time, but I think if we went back to general knowledge once every, you know, four to six weeks or so, uh, that's something that'll always stay fresh. And I'm pretty good. I am embarrassed, though, about the, the uh, Francisco Franco question that I answered that so quickly. And I said Francisco Franco instead of Franz Ferdinand. And obviously it's a somewhat easy mistake to make when you're not thinking about it. Um, when you're not putting the proper time in. But other than that, yeah, I was proud of myself too. I'm not bad at general knowledge. Uh, of course, pop culture is a huge part of this podcast. Uh, Kai was happy with one of our recent recommendations. Uh, she says, great podcast as usual. Also, my wife and I watched Better Call Saul. It was great, so thanks for the recommendation. You're welcome. I have uh, more and- questions though. Darryl- Did they only watch Better Call Saul? Did they do Breaking Bad first? I don't... I, mean, I that, need to know. <laughs> that is an interesting follow-up question. I need to know, Joe, about Hacks, because Daryl Plant recommends the show. I'm not aware of it. I'm assuming if it's an HBO series, it must be lurking on Sky Atlantic somewhere, but I've not seen it. You will, I think you will really like it. It's, um, it's Jean Smart, who plays a... She's more or less supposed to be playing Joan Rivers. She's playing a, a an older veteran female comic that has a, um, a, a Vegas show. I guess I don't have to say female comic if I'm saying Jean Smart, but that's a big part of it, right? It's about, you know, sort of her 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 gender battles over the years um, as being like one of the only older ladies that's made it in this industry that's just been around forever. A fictional character, obviously. And then she's like kind of losing her step a little bit, becoming a bit tired. And so she hires like a millennial writer to write for her. And it's about their relationship, their friendship, this woman's comeback, this younger comic trying to make it in the world. Uh, It is a very, very fun show. Very funny. Um, I'm kind of a little disappointed that they're doing a third season because I think the second season really had a perfect ending. Yeah. But uh, that's, that's uh, where we're at. I think you'd like it, James. I think you'd like it. Very Uh, quality. Gene Smart's fantastic in it. Yeah. I I will, I will look for episodes uh, almost immediately. Um, there is also one of our dedicated channels is suggestions, and that's where we ask people to come up with ideas of stuff we can talk about the show and also ideas of people we could talk to on the show. We did have Nate Silver suggested as a guest. Russell Crowe is someone that you were pursuing, Joe. What's the news? What's the update? Sure. Well, I tweeted at Russell Crowe. haven't heard back. I'm still trying to figure out what's the best time to do it because of the time zone difference. It is obviously significant. I do think he spends a lot of time in Australia. I don't know where he is at all times, but um, I have tweeted at him. I'll probably give it at least one more shot um, without trying to seem. I seem like a crazy person. If I get multiple tweets from someone, it kind of pisses me off, too. So I'm trying to treat Mr. Crowe as I would like to be treated. So when I initially emailed Nate Silver, Nate was like, I'm totally down. I just, it was like before the election, but I need a couple, I I need a less of a, um, (laughs) I need less of a lead in. I need a shorter amount of time. So I emailed him yesterday and asked his availability the next couple of weeks. Have not heard back yet, but he got back to me uh, pretty quickly last time. So we'll see. Okay. Uh, Well, let's introduce this week's guest, who we know is confirmed because he's waiting to come on the show. Uh, He is a professional player from the United States who made his name winning millions of dollars in the high-stakes cash games on Stars and Tilt during the poker boom. He has nearly $12 million in live tournament earnings and, very recently, won the World Series of Poker 50K Poker Players Championship twice in consecutive years. Uh, We are thrilled to say welcome to the jungle, man. Dan Cates, thank you for joining us on the podcast. Yep, sure. Happy to be um, on. <laughs> very basic research showed me that you are still in your early 30s, which I find incredibly depressing, but also made me realize how young you must have been when you first achieved all that success early on. If we go back to the halcyon days of the full tilt versus stars, online cash boom, the matches against Durr and against Victor Blom. I mean, you must have made millions at a ridiculously young age. That's true. Yeah, that's right. How much of you at this point is 
uh, still the legend of Jungle Man, and how much of you is Dan Cates? Like, it seems like Dan Cates has really become more of a thing in the last 10 years. Good question. I don't know. It depends what Dan Cates is. Um, <laughs> been doing a lot of other stuff, and I've been spicing it up. I'm adding some musical instruments to my repertoire and some... Uh, what else? Um, some new hobbies and some traveling and charity and all that stuff. All the good stuff. Do Do you know who Dan Cates is and who where Jungle Man is left behind? Jungle Man's not left behind. I wouldn't say he's left behind. More like embracing my heritage, you could say. I'm learning some uh, some jungle tunes. <laughs> Um, I'm going to try to play some, uh, jungle music. It seems pretty, uh, fitting. Okay. So wait, we'll get to the musical instruments in a second, but I guess I want to talk about when you say embracing your heritage, a lot of people might know this stuff about you, but I don't, and I'm not sure our audience will like, where did jungle man come from? And I don't just mean the name. I mean, you as a human being, like where, where are you from? The jungle. You're literally from the jungle. That's the answer that you, you still want people to think of you yeah that's correct and I, I got the nickname from when i was playing poker when i was younger and i did have longer hair and people didn't know where i came from and i played kind of a crazy style and uh, so they called me jungle man um, is is where you came from still like a a, a, a guarded secret of yours i, I want to find out that you're from like the suburbs of michigan or something like that not exactly. I'm close to where the wire was filmed. Uh, I'm from close to where the wire was filmed. Excuse me. So, like the Maryland, Mid Atlantic type of area. Like, uh, isn't isn't Phil Galfron from there too? Is that why you guys have that whole Falcons jungle rivalry? Parts. I'm from the meaner parts. <laughs> and what was it from the meaner parts that drove you toward poker? Like, what was your life? Before poker, were you a movie kid or a comic book kid or a musical instrument kid? Um, I played quite a few video games, I guess you could say. Um, what else? I was uh, very introverted. Was it? I was just. I was just a kid. What can I say? I was just a guy. Just a guy, man. So a guy who played video games, started playing poker, had a wild style and a wild look, which led to the nickname Jungle Man. Obviously, at that time, anyone who was a prolific high-stakes player was thrust into the public spotlight. How did you deal with that? How did you deal with the idea of Jungle Man slash Dan Cates becoming a celebrity in the poker world? These kinds of things uh, you can say they're they're easier to deal with than uh, the other kinds of aspects of poker. Let's just put it that way. Uh, this this one wasn't too hard to deal with. What are some of the more difficult aspects to deal with than than that? Is it just the the swings? Yeah, the swings are are difficult. Um, the swings are though. What else is difficult about poker other than the swings? Um, sometimes your opponents are difficult. You get some some uh, really difficult people, some really special people out there. Uh, you get some quite some characters you have to deal with. You have to learn how to uh, not only be indifferent to swings, but also uh, learn how to smile at them. That would be ideal. That seems like something that you, at least publicly, it doesn't seem like you struggle with that much smiling at the swings. It seems like something you've always, yeah, like I can see you smiling right now. It seems like you've always dealt with that. Huh? You've always dealt with that pretty well, it seems like. Has there ever been a time when sort of your your feelings have been hurt either by, you know, the way things have gone for you or the way that you're, uh, the way that people in poker have treated you? You don't, uh, yeah. Uh, actually, when I started out, I got cheated a lot. Um, and it appears you're not familiar with the old me that did uh, yell and throw cards and get very mad at people uh, when I lost, actually. Um, I somehow broke that habit. 
and I don't generally don't do stuff like that anymore. Uh, now I try to uh, make fun out of it. So when you say you broke that habit, was that something that you specifically worked on or it just came naturally from success and maturity and age? I worked on it a bit, I would say. Uh, yeah, I, would, I worked on it a bit. It, it came more naturally from, um, came more naturally from, how do you say, uh, like diluting myself, like not putting all my, uh, my existence at stake, uh, in poker in doing more things you can say, uh, whether that's growing out of it or not, I'll let you decide. I mean, that's kind of a big term. I did work on it. I had to change. So I did. It's easier It's easier to change when you have a reason to. Sure. What do you attribute those reasons to? Uh, I mean, I got, you know, I could I potentially could have, could have gotten kicked out of games. Uh, I If I misbehaved while playing poker in Bobby's room, they wouldn't have let me play. They're quite reasonable with me. Uh, same with uh, Aria. I mean, at some point, you realize it, it matters more in terms of actually taking action that you can't be a shithead. Uh, you know, it's kind of like when you are a shithead, you can only go, you know, at some point you get the wake-up call, you can't be a shithead anymore. That's, uh, something like that, really. Mm. And uh, another thing was that well, meditation helped, so there's that. Uh, it was a bit of a habit break as well. And then I started to make more of a conscious effort to not act in a bad way or, uh, gradually was making more and more jokes just to amuse myself generally, or at least, uh, um, try not to, uh, go down, make it more, make it easier to do such things. In addition, at some point, it occurred to me that my idea of morality, um, in a certain way, I had integrity in some way, but I could equate that, I could extend that idea to how I behaved at the poker table, meaning um, that I eventually basically decided it is like essentially immoral to act like I should have at the poker table. And I do believe that. I believe it's immoral to be arrogant, immoral to do all these things that emotionally steal from other people. Um, and so, you know, as at least it's born my nature to approach uh, putting these beliefs into action. I mean, this sounds like maturing. This sounds like growing up to, to boil it down to basics. And I guess it brings us back to where we started, right? You came into the game at a very young age. You had a lot of success very early on. That's right. But uh, I'm, I'm getting younger, actually. That's my secret. I'm getting younger. <laughs> Uh, I was more serious when I was, uh, uh, younger, when I was in my twenties, um, Benjamin buttoning it, buttoning this thing. I'm just going to stay young forever. That's my plan. I'm just going to stay this age that's, forever. That's <laughs> a solid strategy. I mean, again, there's so many familiar stories from people who've been in poker for as long as you have and, you know more than a decade is a long time because as you've already referenced the game has its ups and downs and some people don't recover from those downs in addition to kind of your outlook changing has your play changed i'm assuming you can't be as wild as you once were to succeed in the modern game uh my play had various evolutions also within games i mean at first when i played my very first way of playing was kind of like crazy uh well there there were points where it was erratic at first and then i was like kind of overplaying top pair like that stupid stuff and then at some point i became kind of the opposite i uh was folding a lot and believing people a lot and i just couldn't like read through everyone's tricks and at some point i became a bit more solid and i looked at things more through just not just playing a solid overall game and then at some point i started uh looking at it in terms of oh well i can exploit people more and more based off of uh just the ways that they fold um how often they fold i mean that was actually kind of common 
uh, that one, I, I did do that, start that tendency a bit earlier, but that tendency evolved uh, quite a bit over time to looking at different situations where people can be exploited, et cetera, and just like maximizing on that. Uh, I use that quite a lot of my game, I, I guess you could say, particularly at soft stakes. At higher stakes, you can't, you, I mean, you can do it a bit, but it has to play out a little bit differently than you would use it against. Um, mediocre opponents uh if that makes sense and it really depends like people it depends on who you're dealing with what do you consider what is your metric for success in poker is it for you purely about the money or for example when you won your first world series of poker title last year was it just about the money or do you feel a sense of accomplishment just winning a tournament having that title is that something that's tangible to you uh, what title? Your first World Series of Poker title, the first time you won the PPC. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, it means so much to you, you've already forgotten it. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I didn't uh, mean something to me, you know. I won some titles. It's cool. I like the money, though. That's just yeah. me. Uh, I'll take money over the title. If anyone wants to buy my title off me, I'll sell it for... Okay. <laughs> okay, but... <laughs> One title is one thing, two titles is something more, and to win that event, which is a 50k buy-in, and generally attracts some of the best poker players in the world, to win that two years in a row, even your cynical self must realize that's something I do want to be proud of, and something I don't want to sell. Oh, does this uh, tournament attract some of the best players in the world? Apparently so. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. Oh, I don't. I, are you being sarcastic or are you disagreeing? Like, are you thinking? Are you saying that it's like not the best players in the world? I don't know. Uh, actually, coming from I'm just you. messing with you again. Okay, uh, <laughs> just pretending that I. Um, <laughs> You're like, oh, does it? Was I good? Am I a good poker player? Like, hmm. <laughs> um. Yeah, it matters. But I, you know, I've already been beating the best poker players in the world or playing with them. I mean, so winning the tournament helps. Uh, I mean, once you're already doing it, it doesn't, I mean, it matters more to like have the presentation of looking good because I think a lot of mainstream people or a lot of people outside of poker don't sure. really want to interpret this information um and they don't see really what's going on so this kind of brings it more to the outside so that's nice uh but um how much does that matter that matters more in in uh, just being more in that that eye i guess it matters more if you're gonna like use that in some kind of way for leverage which i do intend to uh i would like to use that to uh to teach to do more poker less or excuse me more poker tournaments and i want to uh, raise money for charity through um poker charity tournaments that's up uh in the near future all these things all right well let's you've mentioned your charity a couple of times right now uh recently just break it down for us what do you got going on what's it called what's the what's the aim let's hear about it well um uh i do have a foundation but we're working on getting the licensing the appropriate licensing for doing something i've been actually toying with the idea of what exactly to do with it because uh a few things first of all charity by itself um i'm not so sure how effective charity is by itself if you just like leave it at that it's it's a nice idea it it, it does something but I don't know if it does exactly what people think it does. Uh, I believe that charity needs more of like a long-term game plan and actually starting the right sorts of businesses uh, appears to do more good than just general charity because a business is an ongoing transaction of creating value, whereas a charity is just like, oh, I'm going to give some money because I'm trying to help kind of thing. Sure. Um, but running poker charity tournaments will create quite a lot of money for charity in theory. Um, I mean, it could be used in ways that are long-term beneficial. There are some ways of doing that. But anyway, I've been like, uh, I've been thinking, how do I use my foundation to actually do something unique, stand out and make an, an actual difference rather than like give a little money? Uh, I don't know. It just doesn't really satisfy me to have this like weak game plan. 
So I'm toying with two ideas. One is to um, focus on children's education, which is a little bit different than what you might think, but that is where I think in a way the the biggest impact is possible if we're going to like pick a sector precisely um or, or two to use my foundation as somewhat of a inter, somewhat of as uh some kind of intermediary uh for the charities but i don't really understand that process um but that could be quite useful in a way uh but i need to figure that out it's actually quite a lot quite, uh, this whole effective altruism thing is quite complicated and certainly making positive impact is more complicated than it might appear because you can um, actually, you can give people something and it can actually hurt them. Uh, in fact, it requires a, a certain level of uh, discretion and firmness to uh, help in the right way. Yeah. So I've, I've seen a lot of poker players are sort of, uh, you know, gravitating toward effective altruism. And I, I read a lot of what they have to say about it on Twitter and various sort of studies and debates they have. And it's quite dense um, to understand how it all works. Um, and I assume given the way that your brain works, you probably understand it a little bit better than most people. Is it is it there's something about effective altruism that draws like a poker player's mind to it does it work in the same way to crack those sorts of codes as it does to figure out poker strategy um there's some there's a pretty clear parallel well there's a couple well the clearest parallel is that you know we're now we're applying rationality to making an impact and poker you apply rationality to not uh, let the lesser emotions get in the way of doing the right thing and it's the same process of the same idea of an effective altruism it's like okay well we're going to use our sympathy and our our desire to make an impact in a way that overrides you know um that in a way that's that's rational anyway that uh that really does make a difference and isn't just like throwing money away because we feel bad or whatever sort of thing um which does happen it's basically that principle. I think uh, rationality appeals to a lot of high stakes poker players. It doesn't sound that sexy, but uh, the cool thing about rationality is that when you apply it to like the idea of making something sexy, it can be. So it's got that going for it. You can like use it potentially to get to the sexy stuff. Uh, and yeah, uh, you can use it to make some real impact if it's done right. Just by itself, rationality is rather dry, but it appeals to a lot of poker players. I think that a lot of poker players miss that connection of like you need some kind of spice in a certain way to uh, to appeal to a lot of people. Like rationality is not going to be like, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to, uh, <laughs> I thought of a funny analogy, but it's not going to like, it's not going to get that much attention. Let's put it that way. I mean, obviously, you clearly want to make a positive change. Um, as someone who is in the poker world, if you look at the poker industry in the year 2022, what do you want to change about poker? Okay, so I did allude to this already. Um, there's a few things. First of all, uh, and I have to think about it to do this. I mean, really, the way to do it is get get, get the people who are the uh i mean it's kind of happened actually um the biggest thing really is to make poker more uh less a game of just pure like logic in the sense of like i'm a computer and i'm gonna beat uh destroy you destroy my adversary and uh oh uh, here's my gto range and i gotta randomize and tank 20 seconds on each hand like none all this shit appeals to no one except like it's only gonna appeal to people that can actually contend uh, and the only way to appeal to a wider demographic is to figure out what uh, they actually like to make it more fun in some kind of way, which I've been attempting to do by uh, striking up some banter and um, dressing, dressing like Macho Man, <laughs> Macho Man, uh, and like thinking of like funny things to do. Um, I've been attempting to do that. I mean, I think something like that can appeal to a wider demographic. Uh, so there's that there it's as if like the poker players have like forgotten this idea of a positive free roll um and how that can apply to you know all the time in between where they're sitting around and bored because i'm sitting i'm th sitting there and bored 
And really, what what is it that's taking me there to these tournaments? It's like, well, I want to win the money. So guess who you're left with? You're left with only a bunch of guys, typically guys that are like competitive and they want to win that money. Uh, surprise! Or you're you're you've got some people who want to gamble, um, but you know, if you want to like appeal to people who more want to gamble, you want to make it more of a fun environment. The whole thrill of like slot machines and stuff like that is that they give something in return uh for the money that's actually lost they give a whole experience like the, the lights light up all this all this stuff you know and they're never mean to you right like when the slot machine beats you it doesn't laugh in your face like you've still had a really good time it doesn't call you an idiot yeah it doesn't, right it doesn't like say oh you you dumbass it doesn't go you should have studied your <laughs> like, fucking slots charts more you idiot I don't know, guys. I think there's a business idea here, a slot machine that mimics the idea of playing poker where you do get berated by your <laughs> opponent when you lose. Guys, guys, I'm, yeah, that's a great idea. Poker, <laughs> <laughs> poker player slot machine. <laughs> get me to play is the funny thing. It'll have, it'll have some people playing. <laughs> Just have a twisted sense of humor. <laughs> I guarantee you there are enough masochists out there. Who I mean, obviously, I like the punishment because I play slot machines. The cherry on top is just the it machine calling me an idiot, showing me a picture of my girlfriend and how sad she is that she's going to get a smaller Christmas present this year. <laughs> Actually, if this could be like done as like an idea that's not um, that's not too expensive, that would be pretty funny. I feel like we're just going to tank Dan's entire charity now because he's going to sink a bunch of money into this slot machine. No, and- no. <laughs> do, do not make the slot machine a reality. But it seems to me, and you, you've said already, Dan, that you've spent a lot of time doing lots of different things. We've talked about the charity work. I know that at one point you considered streaming, but realized that probably isn't right for you. Uh, Coaching was very much on the agenda. And towards the end of last year, you were developing an app, I believe, as well. Well, I toyed with the idea of developing an app. I don't really know what to do with this, but I did realize that if I'm going to develop that thing, it's going to take a lot of my time uh, and I have to shift towards it. And I also realized um, I didn't know if it would succeed. It was kind of a long shot. Like, it would be really cool to develop this thing. And I really do believe philosophically there's a need for the app that I was attempting to create, which was essentially, I believe that basically in the world today, um, well, let me just, first of all, let me just say why I like put this to the side is because I just couldn't see how I was going to make this thing a reality anytime soon. But uh, if someone was to come along, like take it from me and make it, that would be nice. But basically my whole idea was that, you know, in the past, people, um, you know, there people were in villages and everything was kind of like uh, closed. Everything was, uh, people didn't really like go too far beyond their own, like, um, how do you say, villages or whatever, their own like social circles too far. Yeah. The world wasn't globally connected as it is now. And so there was, a, you know, reputation, reputation mattered more in various different ways. But now because the world is globalized, uh, you know, people can kind of go around and uh, hide behind the veil of anonymity, anonymity pretty easily. So there's more and more need for something that at least mimics a reputational currency, although it doesn't have to actually be like a literal currency, but it can just be like, uh, you know, like a global rating, depending on, um, Especially for things related to integrity, I, I just think there's so many applications for this thing that would solve so many problems. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean that's that was the idea that I had behind it, and to use it in poker because there's you know there, there's this stupid problem in poker. Well, it's not stupid, but basically people just like they have they owe all this money and they don't have to they they think they don't have to pay it, um, and they can just kind of get away with it without obvious repercussions i mean i think there are but i don't i can't like verify really no people ask me this all the time they you know they see movies and tv shows my friends that aren't in poker and they're like oh do, does anyone ever get beat up over debts or get there and i'm like not really nothing really happens like everyone just sort of just accepts it well what's supposed to happen is everyone's uh reputation is if whoever owes money is, is supposed to like lose more of the reputable they're, they're the appropriate amount of reputational currency, depending on how it happens and all that. 
Um, and if this was to ha be worked out in poker, for example, it would help solve a lot of problems because that's the real cost of uh, doing things like stealing is that now people should like deal with you differently. Um, and like if it worked in poker, it could go to sports and it can go to all kinds of variations of ethics in all kinds of fields if it worked in poker. But, you know, I don't know how to make it work in poker. I just don't have the entrepreneurial background to make it work. And then you like start raising money and, uh, you know, it's all these things that I'm not really used to doing. Uh, so it'd be like total commitment. And I've just been realizing that it wasn't going to, there's like a low chance that it monetizes it also. So it's like a bit too crazy for me to pursue it. So I've just kind of put that one to the side. I, I would love to be able to do it. Maybe I'll pick it up later uh, when it's possible. I just don't think um, it's just too ridiculous if I'm going to like, jump into that field exactly um to do something like that it seems it seems easily sabotaged too potentially you know like you just have a bunch of people like the way that let's say when the black little mermaid comes out and they get everyone to go leave terrible reviews on the black little mermaid people who haven't even seen the movie but they just disagree ideologically with it you can kind of get into some murky waters if only everyone had the integrity to only leave honest and good you know, reputational reviews about people, it works in a very like idealistic way. It seems like there's a lot of a lot of potential ways it can be abused though, also. The it seems like element. a big commitment. I uh I'm actually not really worried about that. I think that uh I think that it won't be very abused very easily. And I think that uh people are less willing to abuse it than you think. Um I also think like I mean part of the whole reputational app is the people that do have reputation. I mean basically the whole idea is that for to just mimic nature um and just do it on like you know a much faster way because like what should have happened is guy A screws over guy B and now B guy B confronts A and A does nothing. So guy B says okay well since you won't do anything yeah um I I guess I'm going to have to tell my friends because you're screaming over and actually by the way this method is in uh um at least one religion of like dealing with this kind of conflict which i found to be interesting um it it did imply essentially kind of like uh i don't i don't I lack the scientific terminology to to say it but sort of like a social way of like a tit for tat kind of like strategy for dealing with things i'm curious to see if it it, it turns up in other religions or other not necessarily religions. It's all like labels to me, if I really, but like other like practices of like sure. other ancient like wisdoms or proverbs or whatever. Uh, I would suspect there probably are these things because they're very consistent over many different cultures, as it turns out. So that's kind of fascinated me lately. Um, but yeah, uh, like I'm not too worried about this being corruptible. Like even if it is, yeah, of course there'll be mistakes. The thing is that. I mean, you fix the mistakes, and this is why it would be tried with poker first um, before gone on to anything else. So that part, you know, the whole like uh, the the whole way that it would play out, or at least I have some ideas of how it'd play out. I guess, uh, I, I, like it's like more important to make the effort, and like, so what if I mean, people already basically get screwed in a few ways? There's nothing new about that. It, but like, the idea would be to um minimize those those potential like uh temporary screwings over time rectify them uh i mean this happens in all systems right. and uh you know one benefit of this thing that is it's very hard for people to get their reputation back and if it was to exist it could fix that very fast as well uh, it gives a more viable route for redemption but again uh, I would have to put together, I, I know like a little bit of what needs to be done. There needs to be like some proper algorithm in place for doing this. Uh, I'd have to get the right team in place for doing it. I, I would just be, I couldn't really run it myself. Basically. I think we should do the slot machine first. <laughs> then use the money we make off the insult slot machine. Uh, right. I said that we would only keep you for a half hour, and I think we're slightly over already. Really quick before we let you go, Dan, I, I, you mentioned the musical instruments a couple of times. What are you learning to play, and and how far along are you? Well, I uh, uh, I am gonna relearn the piano. I've got a Jungle Book, uh, and I'm gonna learn some Jungle tunes. So <laughs> that's you know that's uh, look forward to that. 
Um, I did prepare a quiz for you about jungle-related things that we'll save for next time. We'll do it next time we have you on the show. Okay. I've also got a flute, and I can play, uh, get ready for it, I can play two notes. Wow. Okay. Well, we have to. That's that's, that's two more than I can. I, I have to ask, though. Do you genuinely like jungle music, or do you just feel I have to because it needs to be on brand? <laughs> well, um, I actually, you know what's funny is I've got some like I've listened to some uh, jungle music. I remember there's an artist that I liked called Baca Beyond, and, and I'm just it, it, uh, I'd like some music from the jungle, but I have a very esoteric music taste. Uh, in addition, I mean. I mean, obviously, being the jungle man, I got to play some jungle music. I mean, like, how else am I going to, like, that's the most obvious brand move that there is. Um, yeah. Hey, it's it's important to know your brand, and it's yeah. important to be true to it, right? Yeah. Uh, it seems like, how can I not, you know? Um, Dan, this has been awesome. Thank you very much for agreeing to talk to us, and uh, good luck with everything you've got planned going forward. Mm-hmm. Yep. Thank you. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you for having me. No problem. Dan, I, seriously, thanks a lot, man. Big fan. Every time I actually we actually get into actually talking to each other, I fucking love you. So <laughs> thanks a lot. Well, thank you. I love you, too. As ever, we're going to conclude proceedings with our super fan contest as we welcome Sam D. Toronto to the Poker in the Ears podcast. Hello, Sam. Hey, how's it going? I appreciate, appreciate that in your super fan application, you actually included pronunciation guidance for your name because I would have got it wrong. You know what? I, I thought you might need it, so I, I put it in there. But Sam D. Toronto isn't calling from Toronto, or is he? Nope. Nope, okay. I'm in New Jersey. So New Jer oh my goodness, a poker stars New Jersey player. That's awesome. We don't get too many of those. Yeah, it's uh it's good that I can play poker. Did um, you move to you didn't relocate to New Jersey to play poker, did you? No, I'm I'm born and raised here. Okay. What's your what's your relationship slash history with poker? Uh so actually I found it kinda through you guys. I um I I got really sick. A couple years back and i was kind of stuck in bed for like two three weeks and i found the uh the poker stars 24 7 stream and i probably got a good 48 hours total of that wow so i ended up watching uh all the big game and all the shark cages probably three times uh <laughs> wow you know i'm so sorry <laughs> you know what i still go back to them so it's it's they're great shows. Now it's like a comforting thing for you. Yeah, someone was telling me recently that we should put out a separate audio-only stream of all of that because so many people like to fall to sleep to it. Uh, you know what? I do I do fall asleep to it sometimes. I can't lie. I mean, I, I kind of feel, Joe, that there is a market here that we could compete against the likes of Headspace, that if we just do audio content designed to just lull people into a stupor, that there is there is money to be made here. Except for when you wake up in the morning, you'll be like half a percentage better at poker. <laughs> or half That's a what I thought would worse. happen. That's what I thought would happen. I thought like, you know how like if someone talks to you while you're sleeping, you might dream about it? Yeah. Yeah. I, th I thought maybe I'd be a little bit better over time. What do you end up dreaming about? What's your what's your real life? Uh, Well, my real life, honestly, I don't dream about too much. Uh, usually I forget by the time <laughs> I wake up. But uh, I guess if you want some background on me, uh, I'm not in IT. I, uh, I, I deliver food for a living, pretty much. Uh, nothing too crazy, but it needs to get done. So, like a gig worker, or like for a specific service or company. I work for company? a restaurant. I work for a restaurant. Okay. All right. Very good. How have tips been lately? Shitty. Uh, lately not great, but usually they're pretty good. And, uh, sorry, one more question about this because I'm hungry. What kind of food? Uh, I work at a burger restaurant. So we do burgers and all types of uh, American food. Okay, okay, well, Joe is now salivating. But <laughs> we need to move on to the actual subject of the Superfan versus Stapes contest. Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm not even sure if I'm saying it correctly. Um, simple question, Sam. Why? So, <laughs> you know what? I... I know you guys do all the all a bunch of similar stuff all the time, and uh, I wanted to keep it 
in the same very broad area of poker. So I just picked another card game and a card game that I uh, I grew up playing. And and this show was uh, integral to, to me learning about it and, and uh, it being a big part of my life. Can you play high stakes Yu-Gi-Oh? I mean, there's tournaments and stuff. I'm I'm not good enough to to do all that. I'm more of a collector. I collect a lot of the cards, and it's uh, I don't know if you can see them behind me, but they're they're all there. Oh yeah, I see the boxes. Okay, so this is a prime opportunity for Patrick to troll the shit out of me because I'm looking through these questions. I'm looking at this quiz, and these are just words. Um, yeah. I will do my best to guide you through this. Patrick, bless his heart, invested a decent amount of time watching the first season of this show. So all of the questions relate to season one. I mean, he has other responsibilities beyond just watching. I, I, you know what? That's why That's why I asked for season one, because I didn't expect any of you guys to watch all of this. I, the show sucks. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. The show sucks. Um, but you know what? It's an important, it's an important part of my life. Sure. So. And the most important thing for me to say is that being in the state of New Jersey, you are entitled to win a real money prize in addition to PokerStars merch. Uh, I'm sure you know the format by now, Sam. Uh, I require you to give me a number between one and ten. All right. So I deliberated a lot on what number I'd pick, and I'm going to go with the (laughs) snowman. You're going to go with the snowman. Num, num. Question number eight. Which of Yugi's friends stays to watch him duel Sito Kaiba in episode one? Oh, um, Joey. It is Joey for two points. Somehow that is a question. Somehow that is an answer. Joe, does it matter which question you take? Absolutely not. Unless it's like, what shape are Yu-Gi-Oh cards? And the answer is rectangle. I'm pretty much fucked here. Uh, anyway, are other they than eight, you can have any number. Um, sure, well, I'll always come seven for once. Okay, what is the name of Sito Kaiba's brother? <sighs> and you can, take sure the I... mul- you can take the multiple yeah. choice options if you want. And I'm you know pretty what? sure I know this, but I want the options. Are you are you joking? Yeah, no, I'm just trying to make this interesting. I'm okay. not going to have one single clue how to, what, okay, how to answer well, any of these. I am going to make this interesting and say that okay. you can have the options and still get two points. Okay. Uh, right. So the options are Makuba, Bakura, Maku, or Yoshi. Yoshi is a Nintendo thing. I'm going to eliminate Yoshi. I'm going to think that Patrick did two things that start with MAC to throw me off. So it's going to be A or C. Maku was C. What was the first one? Makabi? Uh, Makuba. Makuba. I'm going to go with Maku. Ah, uh, you lost a flip, Joey. Ah. It was Makuba. So you remain scoreless, but we're only one round into this quiz. For your second question, Sam, what would you like? Seven and eight are gone. All right. I'm going to go with uh, five. Question number five. What unstoppable monster does Yugi create by assembling five cards together in his duel against Sito Kaiba? Uh, I remember that it well. is Exodia. <laughs> it is Exodia for two points. <laughs> this all, you, by the way, you guys could have just written a script for this, and I'd be like, um, sure, sounds good. I mean, I, I came to win. Uh, chances are that's going to happen. But, Joe, guess what can still get you there? Um... Any number other than five, seven, or eight? Mm, yeah, sure. Let's go with my lucky number nine. Lucky number nine. It's a numerical question. How many episodes are there in season one of Yu-Gi-Oh? Oh, well, I'll take the choices. I'm, I'm the choice free roll. Okay. 49, 58, 67, or 76? 58 episodes. 49, you still remain scoreless as we come to the end of the second round. For your third question, Sam, what number would you like? Mm, I'll go with number two. Number two. In what year did season one of this show first air in Japan? Ooh. That's a that's a rough one. Um, I'm just talking it out right now. I, okay, I'm not fine. answering. You can I, take the options I, if you want, but your score will reduce to a single point. <laughs> I, b- I believe it's 99, but I will take the options. Is it 2000, 2002, 2004, or 2006? I'll just go with 2000 because it's closest. You are right to take the options, and that nice. means you get a point, and that means it's 5 nil. Uh, Joe, 1, 3, 4, 6, or 10? Number 1, please. Number 1. What is the name of the bug boy 
that Yugi duels against in episodes four and five. All right, I'm listening. Is it Rex Raptor, Weevil Underwood, Bakura, or Maku Tsunami? Oh no. Am I gonna get Maku'd twice? Wait, Bakura was something else, but it wasn't the right answer. Let's say Bakura. No, it was Weevil Underwood, but thank ah. heavens you didn't go for Maku Tsunami. Uh, three, four, six, or ten, Sam? Um, let's go with six. Question number six. What card does Yugi's Giant Soldier of Stone attack to make the tide go out in episode seven? Uh, he attacks the moon. He does attack the moon for two points. <laughs> James is like, you know what? Maybe I should watch this. <laughs> it sounds very dramatic, I have to say. It, it gets it gets better as the seasons go on. Okay. Once you get through the first 49 episodes, first, it gets better. The first season sucks. <laughs> Three, four, on ten, Joe. Three. What card does Sato Kaiba tear in half after winning it in a duel against Yugi's grandpa in episode one? Easy, Maku Tsunami. Uh, Maku Tsunami is not one of the options, and I'm going to give you the <laughs> options. Is it Great Moth, Angel of Zera, Galaxy Lizard, or Blue Eyes White Dragon? What was option two again? A B? Angel of Zera. Let's try the Angel of Zera. You should have gone for the one that sounds like a made-up answer. It was Blue Eyes White Dragon. <laughs> Blue Eyes White Dragon, goddammit. Uh, simple choice of four or ten on the final round, Sam. I'll go with ten. What do they bet slash win on duels at the Duelist Kingdom? Uh, so they have these little things called Star Chips. That is the correct answer for two points. Your you know total. I would have, I would have not gotten that choice because that it would have sounded made up. They gamble star chips. Are you serious? Of course they don't, and I would have been so mad. So I'm glad you got that one. Okay, thank you. So at this point, spoiler alert, Sam, you're gonna win. You got nine points out of a possible ten. Joe, please, please don't put up an egg. Please get something here. Mm -hmm. uh, Wait, eggs? That's Pokemon, I think. Which of the seven Millennium items does Pegasus possess? Mm -hmm. That's really hard to say, by the way. Pegasus possess. Uh, one of these seven Millennium items, Pegasus has mm -hmm. it. Yeah. The Millennium Bracelet, mm -hmm. the Millennium Eye, the Millennium Beacon, or the Millennium Rod? Well, a Pegasus flies around, right? So it makes sense for them to have a beacon. But horses have really big eyes too, right? Like a horse got like that big weird eye on the side of its head. What what was what was option A? A bracelet. Bracelet on a horse. I'm gonna go with the beacon. Should have gone for the eye. Uh, Joe, you remain scoreless, but Sam, with a score of nine, you have won this bizarre, but in many ways entertaining edition of Superfan vs. Stapes. <laughs> Congratulations. Pokestars merch is yours, and we will get you some tickets to play on Pokestars NJ. Thank you. I, I wanted to make this the uh, worst Superfan segment possible, and I think <laughs> I achieved that. So, sorry, Patrick. Sorry, Joe. No. We, trust me, dude. You, you're not even close. We've, we've, we've literally scraped the barrel many, many times before. We've had so much worse. So, just enjoy those tickets, buddy. <laughs> thank you so much. Sam, thank you very much for your support. Thanks for coming on the show. Yep, thank you guys for having me. All right, my babies, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Coming up next week, maybe Russell Crowe? Probably not. <laughs> I'm just going to say maybe. It's said no yet. Maybe Nate Silver? That one's a little bit more likely, or... Maybe it'll be a streamer that's already on the payroll. <laughs> I mean, well, let's give it 48 hours. And then if we need to activate Team America, I will do so. Um, I should say, Joe, the super fan for next week is confirmed. His name is Alfie and he has picked the first Harry Potter movie, which is Philosopher's Stone slash Sorcerer's Stone. Delete as applicable uh, as his specialist subject. Okay, so there is no difference between... The, I know there's a difference between the American and the UK title of the movie. Is there a difference between the American and UK versions of the film? Other than any time the stone is referenced, they obviously filmed it twice or overdubbed the lines. But 
Other than that, no, there is no difference. There is a longer cut of the movie. There is a director's cut that was yeah. released down the line. It's long enough as it is. So I'd say stick with the theatrical version. Don't seek out Christopher Columbus's mega long version. Okay. And I, I probably, I, I almost certainly will rewatch this movie because I haven't seen it since the theater. And I think my girlfriend's kind of into the Harry Potter movies. It'd be nice if I watched one of it's, her series for a while. It's very watchable. I don't think it's the best in the series. I think they get better as the series goes along, but it's still very watchable. All right, very good. I can't wait to philosophize slash sorcerize. Moving on. Uh, okay. Yeah, moving on. Uh, yeah. Uh, hey, you heard us earlier in the show. We talked about Kai. We talked about Daryl. We talked about people talking about the show. We love conversing with y'all. And uh, with just a couple of episodes left for this year, that might be the only way we get to keep in touch. So make sure you join our Poker Stars Discord channel. Link in the description of the podcast. For all your comments, questions about the show, apply to be a super fan, suggest some guests for the new year, or maybe some shit for us to watch for once. And that's it, right? That's it? That's We're all done. we got? That's it. All right, my babies, that's all the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. A smell you later.